The story of Noah's Ark is one that we um, often like to share with children to help them understand some of the Bible. And it seems like it's very child-friendly. I mean, you have to, after all, this, this big boat and all these animals and a rainbow. But if you read Noah's, the story of Noah's Ark carefully, you will notice that there's quite a bit of darkness to it. It is, after all, a story of God sending a flood to wipe out most of humanity. And the question is, why does God send the flood? Well, go to Genesis chapter 6. We read, In the eyes of God, the earth was corrupt and full of lawlessness. The story of Noah is a story of God starting over, of taking out a corrupt world and renewing it with a, a new uh, family, kind of a new founder of this new world. After the flood, God makes a covenant with humanity through Noah, and the sign of that covenant is a rainbow of extends from the earth to the sky. And this is a sign that creation has been brought into harmony with God. Now, Noah prefigures Christ. In fact, we see that with many important persons in the Old Testament, that there is something about their role and what they do which anticipates Jesus Christ and his role and what he will do in fullness. We have every first Sunday of Lent, we read about Jesus' 40 days in the desert, which is why we have 40 days of Lent. Uh, and that is recorded in three of the four Gospels. In Matthew and Luke, we have a much more detailed account, right? We have the story of the specific temptations which Satan set before Jesus. But if you were paying attention, right, our Gospel from Mark today was very short. Uh, Mark's is a shorter Gospel, uh, and so it doesn't describe the specifics of the temptation, but there are elements, details in Mark that the church has connected with the story of Noah. So, for example, Mark tells us that Jesus was with wild beasts. Well, who was with wild beasts in the Old Testament? Noah. Right? We are told that Jesus is in the desert for 40 days. How long was the rain pouring in the count of the flood? 40 days. And that's a very significant number. Uh, it signifies a time of testing or trial. How long were the Israelites in the desert before they enter the promised land? Forty years. Now God allows Satan to be the tempter or the tester. Satan is a fallen angel, a rebellious spirit who opposes God's plan for humanity from the beginning. Jesus goes out into the desert to do battle with Satan and to reverse the defeat of Adam, the first representative of humanity, which happens at the very beginning of salvation history. Jesus' mission is to undo the root cause of the great flood. Jesus saves us from the destructive power of sin. He fulfills what Noah signified, for Jesus is the builder and captain of the ark of salvation, an ark that preserves the lives, the eternal lives of all who take refuge in her. And the ark is a symbol of the church, the mystical body of Christ. And so the most important question we have to ask ourselves today is, how does one get in the ark? Well, 
Fortunately, St. Peter answers that question for us in the second reading. He says that the flood and the ark prefigure baptism, which saves us. It is through baptism that we enter the ark of salvation. And if you attend a baptism, you will notice in the prayer of blessing over the water, the priest or deacon will say these words. The water of the great flood, you, Lord, made a sign of the waters of baptism that make an end of sin and a new beginning of goodness. So while baptism gets us into the ark, it does not make us stay there. We are free to abandon Christ and jump ship and free to remain faithful to him. Also, I don't think we should be conceiving of the ark as a cruise ship. What I mean is, uh, you know, a cruise ship, you're just along for the ride to enjoy yourself and everyone else is doing all the work. No. Uh, the ark should be conceived of as more of a battleship, right? Everyone is needed. Everyone is responsible to help the best that they can. The season of Lent is given to us to renew our efforts, to make sure that we are ship-shaped. Now, that's a term that comes from 17th century English naval culture. Uh, it means to have something in good order. And this was especially important on these ships. Uh, there was only a little bit of space for each sailor, so they had to keep not only their space tidy and organized, but they had to arrange it in such a way that when the waves would hit the ship, things wouldn't fly all over the place. What it means to be in ship shape. We heard in our gospel the call to accept the message of salvation. Many of us heard these same words on Ash Wednesday. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus guarantees us that if we stick with him, we will be saved. And how do we know that we can trust his promise? Well, when you purchase a new item, a big item, like a car, for example, how do you know that it won't break down? A car, after all, is only as good as the design, the quality of materials, and the quality of the manufacturing process. And if you're like me, and you're not an automotive engineer, right, you haven't examined the plans. Um, you didn't observe the car being assembled. No, what are you relying on? You're relying on the seller giving you a warranty a legally enforceable promise that if the car breaks down in the warranty period, they will make it like new again. Although I hear these days for people who are having their cars serviced that it takes a long time for them even to do warranty service. It's much better with the Ark of Salvation. For it is constructed by Christ and so made perfectly according to an infinitely good design and with the finest materials. Better than any warranty, it is backed by God's own covenant promise. And his promises never fail. It's not a promise that is given to us on a sheet of paper. Rather, it is a promise which is guaranteed by the blood of Christ, shed in atonement for our sins. As a rainbow was a sign of God's covenant with humanity through Noah, the sacrament of Christ's body and blood in the Eucharist is the sign of God's everlasting covenant through Christ. These 40 days of Lent are a time of intense preparation for those we call catechumens, that is, those who are preparing to become Catholics on Easter Vigil. 
And at Easter Vigil, they will be plunged in the waters of baptism right there. They will be anointed with sacred chrism, and they will receive the body and blood of Christ for the first time. And then on Easter Sunday, as all of us go to Mass, we're going to be asked some questions. Do you renounce Satan? Do you believe in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Do you believe in the Holy Catholic Church? And we are supposed to renew our baptismal promises. And so our preparation of Lent should bring us to that Easter Sunday where we can answer those questions uh, truly, saying, I do. Now Noah must have seemed to his neighbors to have lost his mind. He's assembling this big boat, he's constructing this big boat in the middle of dry land, nowhere near a harbor. But he wasn't the one who was losing his mind. No, he was quite seeing everyone else had lost their mind. He was the one who was listening to God. Back in 2015, uh, we were at a convocation for priests. It's an annual meeting that we have for several days, and we have a featured presenter, and they give several talks. And I remember that year, um, the presenter asked us priests all a question. He said, Fathers, I want you to discern um, what period or time in salvation history is most like our present day. And at that moment, I heard from deep within these words, as it was in the days of Noah before the flood. Now, to give you some context, Jesus says that when he talks about the last days of, of our world. Now, I'm not saying I'm a prophet and we're living in the last days in that sense, like the imminent uh, end of the world, but I do think that there is quite a bit of parallels between the days of Noah before the flood and our days today. After all, remember, what does Genesis say about how they were corrupt and lawless? Indeed, our society becomes increasingly corrupt. So many mock God, they mock divine and natural law. The rainbow, which God gave us as a sign of a covenant that he makes with humanity, has been given another blasphemous meaning. As in the days of Noah, those who defy God believe there will be no punishment for their transgressions. But they are wrong, for the wages of sin are death. Let us put our trust in Jesus Christ, heeding his call to repentance. Let us get in the ark and stay in it, and do the work the good captain has given us to do. And then, when the storms of this life have passed, we will see the new creation.